I think it's important in the beginning to really focus on what you stand for. And I think it's important to say no to opportunities that don't really fit your vision. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by Jay Ventures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley in partnership with Laumi Tech and sponsored by Hippo Insurance, Turing, Upwest Labs, and Hillel at Stanford. This one is all about drinks, and a lot of them. Welcome Raisa Dehas, the co-founder of Double Dutch. Joyce and Raisa are the dynamic twin co-founders of award-winning UK premium tonic and mixers brand Double Dutch. Since launching in 2015, they have received numerous accolades with Sir Richard Branson supporting their vision by awarding them a coveted Foodpreneur Award. Additional honors include being featured in The Telegraph's Top 50 Most Ambitious Business Leaders in 2019 and taking a spot on the prestigious Forbes 30 Under 30 Europe list. In just a few years, they have built a multi-million pound business where most recently also the family Heineken invested a minority stake in. Raisa Dehas, thank you for joining me. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. I'm excited to talk to you about consumer brands, about Double Dutch, about you know, creating a, a new type of beverage out of London, uh, Forbes 30 under 30, uh, a little bit about your journey, a little bit about the insights. Uh, you know, I've gotten to get, you know, inspired and, and very much appreciative of building strong consumer brands and how difficult it is and how, you know, both concentrated the market is, but also how, you know, how it's difficult to be differentiated from others and, and everything about, you know, about food tech and being innovative there, it's getting more and more difficult. So, so Reza, start me off with your journey. How do you get to, you know, build a company called Double Dutch? So I started Double Dutch about five years ago together with my twin sister, and we are Dutch, hence the name, Double Dutch. Um, and we always kind of, know, growing up in, in the Netherlands, which is the birthplace of gin, we always kind of build up a big passion for spirits and gins, and we grew up a little bit drunk. Uh, and our parents, they <laughs> organized lots of tasting, and we just, I don't know, we just loved a good drink. But then when we, we kind of soon realized that choice of tonic waters and mixers was super limited, um, and it was quite boring. There was premium tonic waters and premium, fla- premium existing flavors, but nothing really different. So my sister and I, we just, during our years at university, we started making our own soft drinks um, in our kitchen. We uh, brought it to like house parties. And when people went, came over to our place, we always had our own homemade sodas. And people started calling us the Tonic Twins. And that was it. It was kind of a fun hobby, hobby but never really thought about doing anything serious with it. Um, so then uh, I, we both studied uh, similar. I studied a master in economics and my sister a uh, master in, in finance. So we graduated and we kind of both went into similar banking finance worlds. But we soon realized that that was not really for us. So we quit our jobs after six months and we decided to move to London to study a second master at uh, UCL in London together. Um, so that was a, a one-year master in tech entrepreneurship. And the idea of that was to kind of devote your year about building a, a startup in the fintech space. But we came to London and we saw gin and tonics was massively booming, even more than back uh, home. The choice of tonic waters was as limited as back home. So we also university, can't we skip the whole fintech space and just do it about something that we are really passionate about and 
write a dissertation about the drinks industry. So they said, yeah, fine, whatever you, are, whatever you want to do. Um, so we did a year of market research with lots of bartenders and consumers and kind of looking at where the opportunities laid and then uh, graduated with the concept of double edge, so more innovative tonic waters that were 100% natural, that were lower in calories, and more particularly focused around cocktails and not just the gin and tonic uh, on its own. And then our university, UCL, gave us a prize for best thesis of the year. And with that, they gave us our initial investment. But one of the requirements to get that kind of free funding was to stay in the UK and start Double Dutch in London. Interesting. So that was back in 2015. And we just thought, let's give it a try. We'll see how it go goes. And then went really well from the start. We got some good awards from the beginning. Richard Branson voted us as best um, uh, food and beverage brand. And that kind of gave us national press. Um, the, he flew us over to the US to pitch for Target and he gave us lots of mentorship and kind of build it from there. Amazing. Okay, so I, I love how, you know, it, you know, listening to you talk about that for now, three or four minutes, it, it makes it sound almost like easy. They say, that, yeah, sure, you know, go study a degree in finance, then go, you know, study a little bit of tech entrepreneurship, do some market research, and boom, you've got a whole, you know, a consumer brand in front of you. But that's not really the case, is it? So tell me a little bit about, you know, the complexity of, of creating this new brand. Because, you know, obviously, sure, you can mix the drinks, you can do your science and everything, uh, but then you have to have people actually want to drink it and buy it and you have competition and you're standing on an aisle with you know dozens of others of other colorful brands uh, so how do you actually go about thinking okay like how do we actually get people to to buy into this uh i think it's really i think yeah you're completely right i think it's quite a competitive market um and i think it's difficult to build a brand i think it's Probably easier if you just want to shift volumes, but building a long-term brand takes time as well. I think it's really important from the start to focus on a really niche market. For example, for us, we focused on only the five-star hotels and the cocktail bars in Mayfair. We didn't even really? go to Soho Garden, which was 300 meters further. We literally kind of built it from a tiny geographic area with a small consumer base. And, there, and why there, is that? So why why that I think, strategy? I think it helped us other people other customers like um hospitality venues they thought we were probably a little bit bigger than we were because we had some really good customer base with well-known uh bars and restaurants in a super tiny influential area. So people that came from also bartenders and, and people in the industry that came from abroad, about, uh, outside of that area, they saw us, they thought, oh, if those amazing bars, all of Mayfair is stocking them, but I mean, we maybe had five or six stockists, not a lot. Um, then we'll start stocking it and kind of build it from there. I think it's important in the beginning to really focus on what you stand for. And I think it's important to say no to opportunities that don't really fit your vision. And I think it's easy to, for example, get lost. And, and maybe um, if there, we had, when we were really, uh, when we were three months um, young or in, into our business, a uh, kind of low-end uh, supermarket market asked us to uh, list us. And it would have been game-changing in terms of volumes back then. But I think it would have really hurt our brand. So I think it's important, especially in the beginning, to be able to say no to... Um, to things that aren't or your specific vision. Right. And how do you, like, do you do any, you know, A-B testing or how do you actually get feedback about, you know, the actual brand that you're creating? I mean, you're, and then you're creating, you know, a bottle 
that has a label and people want to have that label on their house, right? So how do you actually go about, you know, creating sort of this landing page for your physical brand? What, what is that process like for you? Uh, I think it's very much trial and error. Uh, when we first launched, we knew that we uh, were launching with a product that we wasn't 100% finished in terms of, um, of product, but we kind of knew 100% sure that the labels and the kind of branding around it was so far from finished. But we had to launch because living in London is very expensive and we just needed to start selling. Uh, but I think in, in hindsight, it was quite good that we launched with something that wasn't finished because we got real market feedback and we got what we thought we would, got the feedback that our labels needed improvement, but we didn't really know in what kind of way. And by selling, actually, people told us you should involve, like, for example, our story more on there. Uh, you should involve the, the fact that chains were originally um, coming from the Netherlands, that that's quite a good um, right. fit to that. That we were younger, so it needed to kind of be more colorful in our branding, um, right. have more flavor. So, like, and then we, after four months of launch, we changed our branding completely and we changed our design. We also slightly kind of optimized our, our storytelling a little bit as well, um, just kind of by listening to our customers. So now, still, if we launch a product, we launch with uh, recipes now that we do stand uh, behind. But we're always open to, we always produce quite a small batch in the beginning. And Amazing. then we change maybe minor things in our next batch based on feedback. I and so how many people are actually a part of this team, uh, this double Dutch team that is made of Joyce and Raisa, right? Yeah, yeah. There were 20 people in total. Wow. Uh, so we're quite small still, but growing. Um, and I think for us, we have always had a very outsourced business model. So we work with third-party manufacturers. We don't uh, do. We work with, for example, PR agencies, events agencies. We work with lots of agencies outsourced, um, which probably will keep doing. We'll see. But but Ray, so tell me a little bit about you know the most challenging things that you had to encounter because until now it sounds like a Cinderella story. You. You go to school, you say, we have to make money, so we're going to launch, we're going to sell. Uh, you're quickly considered like, you know, uh, the, you know, the go-to gin experts. You're coming from the birthplace of gin and, and you automatically start selling to these, you know, five-star, you know, hotels and restaurants. So how do you actually, you know, what, what are the biggest challenges that, that you've had along this path that you had to overcome and say like, wow, like I didn't anticipate this. I didn't expect this. Uh, I think the biggest challenge in the beginning was that, so we were very much focused on the hospitality industry, so didn't really look at retail in the beginning. And I think what we, also after doing a year of research to it, we didn't realize that bars and restaurants don't buy from brands directly, they buy from wholesalers. Right. It was kind of a chicken or it is chicken and the egg problem because a wholesaler won't list you if you don't have hospitality buying you. Right. But the hospitality won't buy you until you're a wholesaler. And I think that definitely was super difficult. Um, and eventually we, we signed an exclusivity deal with one wholesaler. We agreed like terrible terms on sale and return uh, with terrible pricing. But then from there on, it, was, it kind of went definitely easier after having your first wholesaler uh, on board. And I think also just in the beginning, getting first customers on board because right. people always want a brand that's already that's already having some kind of distribution, especially the high-end places. Um, so I think marketing and building loyalty and getting to people's hearts without having the big marketing budgets that other corporates have, 
uh, is definitely struggle. And I think the only way to get through it is persistence and getting loads of no's uh, before you get your first yes. Right. Uh, and kind of building from there. And, and, and Reza, so right now you're, you're selling in Europe and, and UK. I'm guessing that, you know, part of it is coming from, from online and part of it is coming from physical stores. Is that how it works? Uh, so the majority of our business, or at least that was uh, pre-COVID, was coming from the hospitality industry, so bars and restaurants. Right. Um, but now, obviously, that's changed a lot. We we do have quite a, a good number of retailers and physical stores. Online wasn't really ever something that we focused on at all, uh, which I think in hindsight was such a, a lost uh, channel that we just never looked after. So I, I do think now we have been we've been developing our own D2C channel, but also working a lot closer with, for example, Amazon and Ocados and online Amazing. retailers. Um, I think it's a great way to build loyalty and connect with your direct consumers. So I, I love it. I'm happy with and, that you're. Tell me a little bit about about this the vision that you have here because obviously growing a brand is it you know it takes a lot of time and and you're building this brand uh, you know that's growing and growing so is there a greater vision for for Double Dutch do you see yourself you know being like the go to gin um uh, you know gin mixer uh, you know a commodity within the UK and Europe how how do you see it I think for us we really want to become a household name in the mixer tonic water market, mm. known for slightly more innovation um, and excitement into the mixer category. Uh, for us, definitely our home market is the UK and will stay the UK. Um, so we're trying to become the number um, two in the UK and number three in Europe by driving innova innovation. Um, but also export, for example, Asia has been really important now during COVID. There's lots of opportunities there, um, right. also in the e-commerce. Um, and we're launching this year also in the U.S., uh, so that's exciting. Okay, so first of all, so I can't wait to order my, my, my batch all the way to California, so I'm already excited about that. And, and tell me a little bit about you know, what you and your team are really excited about, because you're coming from finance, you and your twin sister, you both study you know, economics and finance. It's not the linear trajectory or the expected trajectory you're going to go into this beverage uh, space. So does that play a role? Do you use what you knew from finance and economics and what you do now? Um, between my sister and I, I look after sales and marketing and Joyce has everything at finance and operations. So I think probably Joyce still uses some of it. Um, I probably <laughs> forgot everything <laughs> by now. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't think that um, in all honesty, like general studies are massively helpful, but I do think that our last year in entrepreneurship that really helped us because we learned little tiny pieces of starting up a company. Um, so yeah, uh, I think that the, the general overall, um, uh, under, I think understanding the basics is important, uh, but it's definitely not a necessity. Right. If there was something that, you know, if I were to come into your offices or talk to your team members and you look at your business, what would be something that like just surprises me? Then I'm like, like, wow, this is like cool. This is new. I like, I, I didn't anticipate this, except for the fact that it's you know twin sisters that are not from the UK that are launching an alcoholic beverage in the UK. Um, I think um, if you come into our office, you'll probably see over 300 bottles of spirits. So it's probably more than your average uh, pub. Three hundred. Wow, and and do you guys enjoy drinking it as well? 
Yes, of course. <laughs> um, but we also drink it uh, just on its own, not always with alcohol. <laughs> I love it. No, no, I think that's fantastic. Raisa, what, what would be something that you would tell you know, young people around the world that are thinking of starting their business? You know, most of the people that I talk to are in technology, they're in startups. And, and, but this is very different. It's not, and it's different in perhaps the way you approach the problem and solve it, but it's not different in the mindset. It's not different in the curiosity you need to have, the resilience you need to have, and the, and the passion you need to bring to what you do. So what would be something that you would advise, you know, young people around the world that are saying, I want to start my own business. It may be technology, it may not be. Maybe I want to start a food chain or, you know, a, a new type, type of pencil. What would be something that they should keep in mind? I think, first of all, just start and get out. and. Um, develop a uh, kind of MVP, small prototype, something, and just start selling. Because I think lots of people wait and, and try to perfectionize their product or service or whatever it is with friends and family, but you're never going to get the honest, real feedback that you're going to get by trying to sell it and get paying customers. So I, would, I think the good thing with small uh, companies and starting companies is also that people 100% forgive you and think it's quite nice actually that you take their feedback into account and they forgive you that you're changing your product. So I would 100% just go out and start selling. And I think secondly, I think it's so important to surround yourself with great people. So in the beginning, when you don't have a team yet, try to surround yourself um, with mentors or, or co-founders or anyone who can help you grow in your entrepreneurial journey. Right. Did you have that, that mentorship, that sort of like your personal board of directors that you go to for advice throughout this whole process? Um, yeah, at the, at the, now we have a great board of directors. Um, and in the beginning, we, I think Joyce and I, because we were sisters, we had quite a lot on each other, kind of, but more as a general of the, better to celebrate the ups, but also kind of to pick each other up in the downs. Um, and I think we always had two or three really good mentors from outside of the company that were helping us as a more overall broader strategic view or helping us with introductions and then network and kind of taking our, us under their, their wings. So that really helped right. us a lot in the beginning. I love it. Raisa, I know that you have to go and I really appreciate you being, uh, you know, being so generous with your time with me and sharing with me your story. I can't wait to see, uh, to see where Double Dutch takes you. Uh, I think that, you know, first of all, going, going through this journey with your sister, I think is, it's both, and I'm sure that it's an incredible journey. I'm sure that it's also a difficult one in a lot of areas, but, but I can't imagine how close it must bring the two of you together. And I, and I think that the, the innovative part of what you're doing, and obviously you want, you're winning all these awards and the fantastic launch and the fantastic traction, you know, number two in London, all, uh, soon and number three in Europe. I think that, that's just incredible. And, and I can't wait to see it now spreading all the way in the United States. So really, thank you for taking the time to be here with me. I really appreciate it. Uh, I do have the most important question, which is three words that you would use to describe yourself. Um, passionate, hardworking, and uh, resourceful. Resourceful. I, I need one word about that. Why resourceful? <laughs> um, I don't know, kind of finding new opportunities, problem solving, um, not really very much uh, looking, kind of more looking into the glasses always half full rather than half empty and looking into solutions. I don't think there's, uh, I don't really accept no's in, um, in, in for example, pictures or, or um, just think persistence maybe. <laughs> I love it. Raisa, thank you very, very much. Stay safe and stay healthy. And, and best of luck with Double Dutch. I look forward to seeing it. You too. Thank you so much.
Of course. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.